Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Now, God. 
JM in the AM. Michal Przanski, Yisrael Shalom. Kol Aderech, done by Mordechai Shapiro. Ashrenu, that was Yisrael Werdiger. Tfilot Shabbat medley from Micha Gammerman. Regesh, Modaani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. It's Erev Shabbos, everybody, on this November the 27th day, 11 in the month of Kislev. The year is 5781, Tufshin Pei Aleph. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas with candle lighting time at 410 on this Erev Shabbos. Typical for Thanksgiving weekend. That'll be about 410. And uh, make sure you uh, you are where you need to be uh, by 410 today here in the uh, New York area. I know some parts of the world have an ev- even earlier candle lighting time. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 51 degrees, mix of sun and clouds, and a high temperature of 62. Clouds tonight, low 45. Good day here weather-wise tomorrow for Shabbos. Partly cloudy, a high of 56. Yerushalayim is at 61. We're at 51 in New York City on a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. I want to thank Avrami for sitting in yesterday. Uh, I hope, uh, well, I'm sure, not just hope, I'm sure he did a great job. I was able to tune in for a couple of minutes during the 8 o'clock hour. And the thing seemed great, and I'm sure he treated everybody well on Thanksgiving Day. And um, I hope your Thanksgiving was a joyous one, and one where you were able to gather with family and friends, within reason, of course, and within all the guidelines, of course. Um, and anyway, I hope your Thanksgiving was uh, was wonderful, and thanks for joining us on this Friday Thanksgiving. There will be a weekly update today. Malcolm Holmline will be with us at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time, about an hour and ten minutes from now. We'll do a weekly update here at JM in the AM. And um, plenty more on a Friday, as you would imagine, on a Friday morning broadcast, including Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin with words about Parshas Vayetze. And plenty more. Next week, our final week before the big journey to the UAE, our broadcast from Dubai. I want to thank all of our wonderful sponsors, and we'll spend the whole week next week thanking them and getting ready for the big journey. Uh, this will take place the uh, 8th, 9th, and 10th of December. So we'll li- literally be back here uh, for the first night of Hanukkah and join you two weeks from today on Friday morning from our studio here in New York. But we will be broadcasting our Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday shows that week from the UAE, from Dubai, taking a close look at the community there and to bringing it to everybody around the world, all of our wonderful listeners, and what we uh, believe will be, as I wrote yesterday, uh, on social media, a historic week of broadcasts for us and for everybody in the Jewish world emanating right here from JM in the AM. More coming up. Leviathan is next with a nice Erev Shabbos selection. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Friday morning, feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Malcolm Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. And thanks for tuning in on Friday Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM.
I am 
Eitan Katz wrapping up the hour. Ms. Marla David here at JM in the AM. Yaakov Chesed at Eishas Chayel. You heard Simcha Liners Vatamaro Mritzay done by Eish. Yosef Chaim had Lola Fachet and Leviathan opened up the set with Bowie Vishalom here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSNF. Candle lighting 410 in New York. My gosh, who made things so early? I'd love to know. 410 is candle lighting time. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Lots of places have early candle lighting times this week for obvious reasons. So make sure you are where you need to be when you need to be. Thanksgiving weekend, uh, 2020. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving and that you were able to see some family and friends, even with the rules that are in place. And let's hope that uh, going forward, things really start to ease up, please, God. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Tov from JM in the AM. Galitzal, Asha, 2. Shalom, Rav, Khan, El-Azar, Ben Lolo, Im, Mashikore, Achshav. בתי הספר של החגים יפעלו במהלך חופשת החנוכה בגני הילדים בכיתות א' וב', כך סיכמו שר החינוך גלנט, שר האוצר כץ ויושב ראש השלטון המקומי ביבס. מטרת התוכנית לספק רצף חינוכי וחברתי לתלמידים נוכח הסגר הממושך, להקל על נטל תשלומי ההורים ולספק מענה להורים עובדים. כתבנו לענייני חינוך דורון קדוש מוסר שהפעילות יימשך חמישה ימים בין השעות שמונה בבוקר לאחת בצהריים. התשלום יגיע עד לשלושים שקלים ליום פעילות, תלוי ברמה הכלכלית-חברתית של היישוב. חמישה עשר קניונים פועלים משעות הבוקר ברחבי הארץ במסגרת המתווה לפתיחת המשק. עומסים נרשמו בכניסה לחמה מהחנויות וגם תורים ארוכים של יותר משעה. כתבתנו לענייני צרכנות עינב קרנר מעדכנת שעל פי הנתונים של חברת שווה, שירותי בנק אוטומטיים, הישראלים גיהצו בכרטיסי אשראי 400 מיליון שקלים עד השעה 12 בצהריים. מדובר בירידה של 10% לעומת אשתקד. ובאתרים הבינלאומיים נרשם זינוק של 18% בהיקף העסקאות של הישראלים לעומת הרכישות בשנה שעברה, כך על פי נתוני חברת ויזקל. בעקבות הכוונה להטיל סגר על אום אל-פחם, ראש העירייה סמיר מחמיד פנה לחברי ועדת השרים לקורונה וביקש להתנגד למהלך. יעילותו של סגר תהיה מצומצמת והטלתו תגרום לקריסה סופית של העסקים ולאי-ציות של תושבים המצויים במצוקה כלכלית. בנוסף הציע ראש העיר להפעיל בעת הצורך בלבד סגר לילי. תושבי אשקלון מתלוננים משעות הבוקר על מפגעי ריח חריגים שמגיעים ככל הנראה מאחד ממכלי הדלק של קצא"א. כתבנו איתי שריג מוסר שבכוונת המשרד להגנת הסביבה להוציא צו לחברת קצא"א להשבתת פעילות המכל בו התגלתה התקלה. מנהלי החברה יזומנו לשימוע בפני המשרד להגנת הסביבה. גאווה ישראלית, הישג למטפחים של זני ירקות, פירות ופרחים ישראלים. 
הארגון הבינלאומי של מטפחי זנים חדשים הציג נתונים, לפיהם המטפחים בארץ ניצבים במקום הראשון בשיעור העלייה בטיפוח זנים חדשים. ב-2019 הוגשו לרישום כ-70 זנים חדשים, עלייה של 197% ביחס לשנה הקודמת. הארגון שמושבו בג'נבה פועל לשימור זכויות מטפחים ולהרחבת היקף הזנים המגיעים לשווקים בעולם. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו רמי שני. מזג האוויר מעונן חלקית בצפון הארץ ובמרכזה צפוי גשם מקומי, קיים חשש קל משיטפונות בבקעת הירדן, במדבר יהודה ובים המלח, תחול עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. הלילה צפוי גשם מקומי קל לאורך מישור החוף. באלה זמני כניסת השבת פרשת ויצא יעקב. בירושלים בחמישה לארבע, בתל אביב תיכנס השבת בארבע ושבע עשרה דקות, בחיפה בארבע וארבע דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע ושמונה עשרה דקות. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר, בירושלים בחמש ורבע, בתל אביב בחמש ושש עשרה דקות, בחיפה בחמש וארבע עשרה, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת בחמש ושבע עשרה דקות. לכל מאזיננו שבת שלום, אלה החדשות.
Friday morning, it's JM in the AM. That's Yummy Lowy with Kol Hatov. Well, Harry Rothenberg, Baruch Hashem, has uh, plenty to say about uh, Parsha's Vayetze, um, as he does for us each and every week. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Let's take care of that. There we go. Harry Rothenberg, Parsha's Vayetze, on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, at JM in the AM. Jacob Yaakov meets Rachel Rachel and he agrees to work for seven years for her father, Lovan, in exchange for the right to marry her. But on the wedding night, Lovan, the ultimate trickster, switches his older daughter, Leah, for Rachel, and Yaakov ends up marrying Leah instead. The wily Lovan then forces Yaakov to agree to work another seven years for the right to marry Rachel. He marries Rachel, and then he also marries the maidservants of Leah and Rachel, Bilha and Zilpah. So Yaakov ends up with Four wives. God bless him. Leah starts having sons. Her first son is Ruvain. Her second is Shimon. Her third is Levi. And her fourth she names Yehuda. And the Torah tells us that she gives him that name because she says, this time I have to thank and praise God. And the root of the name Yehuda, Judah, means thanksgiving. We're told that this is the first time that someone fully, completely thanked God. That's tough to understand. No one ever thanked God before Leah. And even Leah, she wasn't thankful when her first three sons were born. She only realized that she had to thank God when her fourth son was born. In order to understand this, we have to realize that Leah was a prophetess. She knew through prophecy that her husband was going to have 12 sons. So she did some simple math. 12 sons divided by four wives means three sons per wife. So when she had her fourth son, she realized wait a minute, I was wrong. I wasn't guaranteed three. Now that I've had four, I realize one of the other wives can't have more than two, which means I could have had two or one or none, which means just as when I had the fourth that was more than I thought I deserved, all of them were more than I deserved. And so she realized that she had to thank God for all of them. And that's what we're supposed to realize, that we always get more from God 
than we deserve, and we have to always be thankful for everything that he gives us. And that's why the Torah is cast in terms of obligations, not rights. The Torah doesn't talk about all the things that we have the right to this and the right to that. It talks about all the things that we have to do or that we are not allowed to do. The Torah doesn't tell us what's coming to us. It tells us what's expected of us. It doesn't tell us about what we're going to get. It tells us about what we have to give. And that's why during our prayer service, when the chazan, the person leading the congregation, repeats the Amida, the Shemona Esrei, he says over each blessing, we sit back and we say, Amen, I'm with you, I agree. But when he gets to one particular blessing, it's not enough for us to say Amen. When he gets to the blessing of Modim, the blessing of Thanksgiving, we have to say our own Modim, our own Thanksgiving. And that's why the Jews are called Yehudim, from the root Yehuda from the root thanksgiving, because as Jews we have to be so thankful, individually and communally, that we're still around. After all these years, we still exist after all of the attempts throughout history to destroy us. And we have to be thankful for our successes that are so wildly disproportionate to our paltry numbers. For us, Thanksgiving isn't one day in November. I love football, but Thanksgiving for us isn't just that one day. It's every day.
Come on, let's go. 
a.m. in the a.m. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this Parshas Vayetze, candlelighting in New York at 410. I uh, want to remind everybody, as we spoke to David Wallace last week, koshertravelers.com is offering a yeshiva break vacation from the 21st through the 28th of January. Literally, you can go to the UAE and spend the time in Dubai at the end of January. And for those who are in this type of situation and can afford to do so, you literally could reunite with your family that's in Israel in the UAE. Not that we ever, ever recommend that you reunite with your family in Israel in any place other than Israel, but these are strange and uh, unusual circumstances. And uh, both those who are in Israel and those who are in the United States can travel to the UAE. It's not as simple, obviously, uh, when you're talking about flying directly to the two countries. Uh, so you can go to the web and get information, koshertravelers.com. The tour begins on the 21st of January, koshertravelers.com. They have a whole bunch of stuff up there, including Pesach and Hanukkah and a whole bunch of different things. Check it out and enjoy. Koshertravelers.com has all the information. Well, if you saw my post yesterday, whew, I'll tell you. That was a post that everyone is... Uh, Is everyone is talking about? <laughs> Even this morning, someone already contacted me about it. So I'm I'm not saying that all my posts are uh, you know that popular, but that one was popular, and I'm referring, of course, to the post about the Stacy Siegel's Thanksgiving A and H salami, Hasselback salami, as she calls it. I'm assuming that that's the uh, common name for that recipe, or at least the variation that she uh, that she put on it. So I remind you, this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef, fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no-nitrate-added, reduced-fat, and reduced-sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code RADIO and try A&H today. And if you go to Facebook, and I believe if you go to Stacey Siegel's um, uh, moniker on uh, Instagram, you will if you go to Facebook to my uh, post, you will see a video, pictures, and the entire recipe of how to prepare a delicious A and H salami as a Hasselback salami. And boy, Stacy did a great job. She knocked it out of the park. And boy, was it good. Ooh, was it good. Someone asked me. <laughs> someone asked me if I had it. I said, Yeah, I had too much of it, frankly. But hey, it's Thanksgiving, right? Um, anyway, so a salute to Seth Levitt and his entire company at A and H. We're getting reaction from everywhere. Uh, number one, more than one listener insisted on getting Stacy Siegel's recipe. And then our listener down in Florida who was telling us how uh, she has a standing order for a specific kishka every single week. They didn't have it last week, so they replaced it with an A&H kishka, and she says the A&H is bigger and better. No shock, no surprise. Anyway, we salute A&H here at the Nahum Siegel Network, but I guess uh, everyone knows that at this point. And a very happy post-Thanksgiving from all of us here at JM and the AM. By the way, a lot of wonderful sponsors, as you know, for our big trip coming up to Dubai. I want to take this opportunity and thank Ralph Rosenbaum, Rosenbaum Financial Services. To learn more about how they can help you with your tax planning, go to taxcpa2.com, taxcpa2.com, or call 1-800-TAX-CPA-2, 1-800-TAX-CPA-2. And a big thank you to Ralph Rosenbaum sharing our journey to uh, to Dubai as we get set for uh, what's going to be Three days of incredible broadcasts. I spoke to someone yesterday who just got back from a week in Dubai. He says it's just remarkable. So we hope to bring that the story of the Jewish community to um, 
to everybody around the world who tunes into us. All the people who tune into us on a regular basis here at JM in the AM. A reminder: the Erev Shabbos show is coming up again at 10 a.m. Uh, Kedem presents the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek hosting. That happens between 10 and 1 today. You don't want to miss it. It's specific for Parshas Vayetze. How amazing is that? Um, so all you got to do is stay tuned in. Table for two with Naomi Nachman is going to be coming up. And then after that, you'll hear the Erev Shabbos show again. It's brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And it is a uh, fantastic presentation each and every week, which literally is done specific for the Parsha. All to the credit of Mark Zomik, and I thank him. And a big thank you to our friends at Kedem. How many of their products are you going to be enjoying over a Thanksgiving weekend? I bet many, to say the least. More coming up. Aryeh Kunstler with a song we can't get enough of, The Promise. This is JM in the AM. You've waited all this while Still without a child Yeah, your faith in me remains strong You've really done your best Passed every test Never questioning anything at all So this I promise you If you promise to stay true Your children will be like the stars in the sky This vast universe before your very eyes Endless in number and endless in size You couldn't count him if you tried I promise you tonight Oh One more thing to be done, so listen, please. Take the one you love and sacrifice him up above as an offering to me. So this I promise you, if you promise to stay true, your children will be like the stars in the sky, this vast universe before your very eyes, endless in number and endless in size, couldn't count him if you tried, you couldn't count him if you tried. Loyal to me Your name will carry on Your nation will grow strong A promise kept throughout history So this I promise you If you promise to stay true Your children will be like the 
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning broadcast. A song that we literally can't get enough of. Aryeh Kunstler, The Promise, here at J.M. and the A.M. Wow. Promise given to all of our forefathers and foremothers. Amazing. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, and this parasha's Vayetze. I want to remind everybody that our friends at Art Scroll have Rabbi Nachman Seltzer's brand new book, A Tiny Taste of Heaven, Amazing Stories About the Power of of Hafrusha's Chala, available as are 3,000 other titles from Artscroll. Go to artscroll.com, artscroll.com. And remember, <clears throat> right now, use promo code RADIO. They have free shipping, no minimum, and a 20% discount. Free shipping, no minimum, 20% discount. Should I say it again? Free shipping, no minimum, 20% discount. Always use promo code RADIO at artscroll.com. Always use promo code RADIO at artscroll.com. Simple as that. More coming up, including Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents, right here at JM in the AM.
Is that a throwback or what? That is a throwback, to say the least. Benny Friedman and Company. I mean, excuse me, Benny Friedman and Company. Lenny Friedman and Company with a uh, selection entitled La Shem Haaretz. Thank you, Lenny. La Shem Haaretz here at uh, JM in the AM. That brought me back to the King David room at the Homoac Hotel. And I'm thinking as I'm about to introduce Malcolm, who is uh, standing by, and I appreciate his time on this Friday morning of Thanksgiving weekend. Normally, normally, sometimes, sometimes, decades ago, we would actually conduct the weekly update on Thanksgiving weekend from the Homoac Hotel up in the Catskills with a really nice audience, a very engaged and nice audience, about 50, 60 people standing around waiting for one of us to make some type of mistake that they'd be able to, you know, talk to us about a breakfast, you know, the whole thing. Uh, but this Thanksgiving weekend of 2020, very different. Yeah, now we're being encouraged to stay far away from people, not engage with anybody. Simple as that. I want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com. Um, if you want thousands of articles to print out before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world, trust me, it's an amazing resource. Jewishworldview.com. Again, Jewishworldview.com. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Yeah, you're making me hungry for the old pancakes and uh, breakfast and things. Are you skipping the corn muffins? You're going straight to the pancakes? <laughs> Are you kidding Boy. me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, has, it was a highlight for me. Or but, has, uh, has COVID affected your memory? I mean, come on. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember on your Kipper to do. I mean, it, it goes straight from show, right? Show in the lobby, straight to the platter with the corn muffins on it. Simple as oh. that. <laughs> well, I wasn't a big corn muffin guy in those days, but uh, not anymore. Huh? I would be. And now it's only the pancakes you're interested in. <laughs> You've graduated. Ah, uh, those were the days, Mr. Homeline. Those were the days when crowds were encouraged, where we didn't mind if 50 or 60 people were hovering over us and tuned in, or actually not even tuned in, but listening in to our conversation in the lobby of the Homoac Hotel on a Friday Thanksgiving morning. I was actually trying to think how many times it probably happened. It may have happened four or five times, you know? Like, it happened pretty often, frankly, that we were up there well, doing the show, so... The Davidman's uh, yeah. very hospitable and uh, was sure. a great institution. It's a shame that kids today don't don't have those kind of places to go to. It. That's right. Rumor was you were actually sitting in the lobby up there in uh, near, El- near where, where where was it? Spring Glen. You were actually waiting for this morning's show to start. But that rumor, I assume, was just a a a farcical and comical account, right? Another one of those false sightings, <laughs> right? Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting nostalgic here on a Friday of Thanksgiving weekend. What can I tell you, folks? Uh, well, we'll start with what clearly is the story of the week. And frankly, one of the reasons that I wanted to make sure not to uh, postpone our conversation, uh, and that is the Prime Minister flying to um, Saudi Arabia and meeting with the Saudi Crown Prince. And now, I, I don't, You could bring us up to date if even you can keep track of who's denying this story and who's not. It seems it really did take place with all the denials that are happening. Tell us the background of this meeting in Saudi Arabia. So this was a meeting that it seems was brokered by uh, the special envoy for the United States for the administration for, on Iran, Elliot Abrams. And he had been visiting the region uh, on the Iran-related issues. And they came together in the city of Neom, which is a coastal city in Saudi Arabia, 
prime minister took a private plane of a businessman from Israel to try and avoid detection. But as you know, they monitor all the flights and you can easily see the patterns and that uh, later people had, I mean, at the time people noticed this unidentified plane on a strange uh, trajectory. And he came there. uh, It seems, I mean, nobody else seemed to have known in Saudi Arabia or in Israel he did not inform his counterpart, uh, Gans or Ashkenazi, but he did take with him the head of the Mossad, Yossi Cohen, who has been doing a lot of the outreach to the Arab countries. Uh, it seems Prime Minister trusts him and has been using him uh, increasingly in, in roles that go beyond the traditional role of uh, the head of the Mossad. And they uh, met. They, I know that there were discussions to try and, uh, and mostly, I guess, assume about Iran and about the new administration, how people will, how they will relate to it. Uh, it did not result in in an announcement of uh, that they would follow the example of the UAE. But you know, it's a process, and I said to you that many times that I believe strongly it should be step by step process with some of the countries that they're, they're not going to just jump into the full recognition, and it's not essential. I think the message of this meeting uh, got out clearly to to the region and to those who, who needed to see it. And the, um, you know, the Turks see it, the others, uh, and, and as we see the increasing aggression on the part of Iran, aggressiveness on the part of Iran and on the part of Turkey and others, it's important that they get a, a clear message. But obviously, uh, the message was primarily to Iran and perhaps to, to people in the incoming administration. Uh, and Saudi Arabia is likely to face increased scrutiny in the new administration on human rights and other issues. Uh, so this was a warning to Iran, as it seems to be stepping up its nuclear activities, or certainly has been all along, and um, and perhaps sending a diplomatic message as well. Also a warning to his colleagues, meaning Netanyahu, that, uh, hey guys, I'm still in charge. They must have been furious that this was kept a secret, especially now, frankly, in an era where it's almost impossible to keep these things secret. And by the way, speaking to that point for a moment, as, as we discuss, you know, the way things are, to, it's funny, you were talking about this in regard to the to the Catskills, but, you know, the, how different things are today. I mean, it would be unheard of for the head of the Mossad to accompany anybody on a mission like this. I mean, first of all, it's not really the uh, the goal or the uh, the aim of the Mossad, right? That's not really what their that what their purpose is. And you know to 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 participate in let's call it negotiations or discussions, right? That's not really their But and but wouldn't am I right though that this is something that would never have happened even if his role is expanded and he's very trusted by the prime minister, etc. It still is nothing that would ever happen years ago. As I said, it's not I don't think it was traditionally part, although um, heads of the Mossad did visit many Arab countries for intelligence sharing, uh, uh, much more than people would actually know. Ah, all right. So maybe it is more common, and they somehow kept it a secret. But again, today it's just so hard to keep a secret. It makes it very difficult. That we So we know how they reacted. It didn't look like they were too happy, meaning his colleagues. What about the Israeli media? Did they care one way or the other that he went? Well, they would have liked to have known, they say, and uh, but they can't be critical of it because they see that it's a very valuable uh, step. Right, and hopefully it'll lead to, to, to peace. But, you know, it's funny, you mentioned the human rights issue. 
Uh, this case with the you know the woman who was uh, trying to promote women driving in in Saudi Arabia and now being tried in some type of you know um, terror court, terrorism court, uh, and in general the whole human rights issue, it really does show us a big difference between uh, the UAE, Bahrain, etc., uh, and Saudi Arabia. They they are you know willing security wise, especially regarding Iran, they're willing to negotiate with Israel. But if you think their country is going to suddenly become like some of the Gulf state countries are, it's just not going to happen. It certainly won't happen quickly, right? It's, each country has a unique set of circumstances. And if you look even at Egypt and Jordan, which have long had 26 years uh, since the last agreement was with Jordan, um, that they're still not a piece of the people. You don't see the kind of interaction that you see in the UAE with Hanukkah trips and, and Thanksgiving trips uh, going on. Now. And JMN oh, and JM and broadcast coming up December the 8th. Thanks and, God. of course. <laughs> uh, uh, so, you know, each one is unique, and there are different pressures and circumstances that dictate the freedom with which uh, people can move. Uh, as you know, I met uh, with MBS, uh, with the Crown Prince Saudi Arabia, uh, several times, and we obviously discussed all of these issues. And I think he, he sees the benefit. All these countries want to move away from being dependent on, on oil and gas income because they know that uh, they see the handwriting on the wall, that this is not going to be there forever. And uh, so they see Israel's high tech as critical to them. They also look at the overall um, geopolitical situation. And most of all, as they said, you know, Israel is um, uh, what do they call the, the a permanent aircraft carrier that it, it can't go anywhere it's got to stay there right. and that they see it as an ally in the fight against um, against Saudi against Iran and the Saudis are are obviously very much concerned with that because they're the prime target right now for um, uh, for Iran as is UAE has been and certainly Bahrain was for many years because it's a small and, and weak country. It's a Shiite population, and it's 14 miles across a waterway from the Katif region of Saudi Arabia, which is where the energy is, and that is also um, a predominantly Shia population that Iran has tried to stir up many, many times and infiltrate. So each each country has a problem. He also has a father, the king, King Salman, who's alive, who seems to be you know still very conservative and. His willingness to um, to make some big leaps, whereas in the other cases they, um, and even in Oman too, which has not yet uh, moved completely, uh, the uh, the late Emir was uh, received Netanyahu. Uh, Sudan is still working; others are working on it, and I think each one will go at a different pace. But the change, I think, is irreversible, and all the factors that are pressing now, and if, even if the administration doesn't make it as much as the new administration won't make it as much as a priority as the old one did, uh, I don't think that they can, they want to or, or can reverse it. And in fact, a lot of this is, is of concern about what the new deal, when we hear about the lessening of sanctions or other measures that um, that might be taken. We see Iran stepping up their activities in the nuclear program, certainly with this new facility in Natanz. After the overground one was attacked and largely destroyed, this one is underground. And so you don't know what's really going on, but we do know that they have moved to a more advanced centrifuge. We know that they have violated all the standards, meaning the, the amount of, of enriched uranium that they're allowed to have. We know that they are putting in the UF, uh, F6 gas into the into the um, 
uh, centrifuges. I mean, we can talk about each of those things, and of course, negotiating arms sales because of the limitations are no longer in effect. Uh, selling oil much more, most of it clandestinely, or through Turkey or through Iraq. So they're violating on each count. And if you look at the more aggressive behavior that they and others, um, the, the uh, Turkey is moving on, on virtually every front that uh, one can imagine to see, to, to um, expand their footprint to, to uh, I mean, I think they control five and a half thousand miles of Syria. They, they control, they are, are uh, in Libya, they are all over the region as uh, Egypt this week um, announced its efforts to counter Turkish growing influence in, in Somalia because they see it uh, as uh, malicious, I think was the word they used. Five and a half uh, thousand miles in yeah. Syria? Well, yes, but at square miles. Yeah, I get that. Uh, yeah. How big is Syria? Wow. No, oh, it's a big country, but you know, it's not as big as it sounds. But they control various places, but those areas, um, and uh, you know, when you you um, you saw some of the elite forces of Egypt and Air Force arrived at the Marwa Air Force Base in the Sudan for joint exercises, those are messages for Somalia. Yeah, that's why each thing. It's not necessarily what it seems to be. Right. It's always in the Middle East, another layer, because Turkey opened a new base near uh, Mogadishu, which those who are old enough will remember well from the yep. wars there, sure. and uh, and so started to, to look for uh, oil exploration off the coast of um, Somalia. And and at the same time, as both the countries are losing their uh, you know, support domestically and people, young people feeling alienated and, and the economic conditions are terrible. The, the, um, uh, they both are pursuing the neo-Ottomism and, and, and the um, resurrection of the Persian Empire. And this is, and the secularism in, in, each, in Turkey is all but, but gone. So we, we have these dynamic situations which require and threaten the Arab countries as much as Israel. Right. So it brings them together. So I, I mean, now I see how big Syria is, but boy, Turkey's really. Whew. You know, it's a shame, by the way. It, it looked like Israel and Turkey, how you know, was warming relations. You know, a few years ago, it looked like they were on the road to, mm-hmm. so, to sort of doing what Israel and the UAE did. Right, sort of have like an understanding of of tourism and under, which you you said has always been active. Well, they have full diplomatic relations. We have an embassy. Israel has an embassy there, and the 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 uh, sometimes it's no ambassador because they recall him. And after the uh, Mavi Mamara, they did, and for a long time there was no ambassador sitting there. But they have full relations. And the interesting thing is that the trade has sustained itself at the high level. Because the people don't buy into the boycott of Israel, even if the government was calling for it at the same time, they allowed all the, the trade to continue unabated all of this time. And, you know, before Corona, there were, I think, 11 flights a day of Turkish air into Israel. It might even have been 13. And it became the, the air, uh, airplane of choice for many people uh, flying into to, uh, Israel. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they don't sacrifice the dollars or the uh, lira for principle. So despite their, they, they so, know how to use it so and exploit it for political purposes. So despite their leader, there's despite their leader. Seriously, they're still able to you know be in the community of nations, and and conduct the type of business and type of tourism you just described. Well, that's a real uh, really good question and an issue, and we don't know 
that, I mean, NATO is afraid of letting them go or throwing them out. In fact, the Europeans this week are going to discuss putting sanctions on on Turkey um, for a variety of reasons. And, but, you know, they've weaponized the immigration issue. They can release millions of, t- of, of uh, immigrants into Europe at will. They, you know, they control them and, and they can activate the uh, uh, huge Turkish population. I mean, millions of people in Germany, and uh, and we know that their operatives, like like uh, Iranians, are are all over. And he's building mosques all over, which he controls, which are Muslim Brotherhood oriented. And he sends a f- the message every Friday what they're allowed to say in the mosques. Mm. And these are I've seen them all over Europe. That they're building in Africa, in South America. He, he uh, people don't realize when I talk all the time about the hegemonic goals of Iran and, and of Turkey, people don't realize how expansive those activities are. And you see it from from uh, the Pacific to the Atlantic. And it's all history repeating itself. You look at that whole region, this has been going on for centuries. This is mm-hmm. what happens when a country comes in, starts influencing another one. And of course, it all starts with religion and education, and it's uh, taken from there. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and NahumSiegel.com, and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is with us, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. I don't know if I would say this uh, when we're actually in Dubai, but I'll say it here, and that is that uh, unlike um, unlike um, uh, the UAE, which was pretty happy with the money and with the weapons that they got uh, in this whole you know, negotiation to warm up to Israel, uh, unlike them, Saudi Arabia, we should point out that Saudi Arabia did make it clear, if I read this correctly, that they would insist that any deal with Israel include some type of uh, comprehensive deal between Israel and the PA. Do you think they are simply speaking to their constituents when they say that, or do you think they mean it? Uh, I think both is true. Uh, I can tell you that throughout the Arab world, they're, they're just sick and tired of the Palestinian issue, the, the, the not the humanitarian issue. They, it's an irritant to them. It's an issue that excites their streets. The, I'm quoting these are what different leaders have said to us. Uh, but they're they're upset about the kleptocracy, that all the money that they gave has been stolen, and that the, nothing has been done to improve the lot of the people, and that to become something that can unsettle any of the regimes in the region, if the people mobilize over that issue because of increased relationship uh, with Israel, it is not true in the UAE. It wasn't true in in um, some in Bahrain, uh, which have a less of an affinity than, let's say, the Saudi Arabia uh, might on this issue. Uh, I mean, the PA continues to to act in in this arrogant way, where they're listing demands for talks with Israel. There, they. Um, why does, so, why does Saudi Arabia placate them like that, then? They could just avoid the whole topic and bring it, bring it up another time. Why do they... Because, because amongst the people, let's quote street, it still resonates. It's not, you know, if, if you look at the deal but the, in Jordan's new government's statement, there are 12 platforms or principles. Uh, the Palestinian issue is number 11, and that's the country that is most impacted by it. And when you, one of the leaders of the countries we discussed said to me, if you ask, my people for the top 50 issues, I don't know that this would make it. Today. Would it would it be the same in Egypt, by the way? I'm just curious. Uh, no, in Egypt, there, it would be lower. remember that there was much greater indoctrination of hate against Israel, and unfortunately it still continues at times, even though in these countries they have changed the textbooks. We've seen articles and TV broadcasts that try to 
build understanding. They talk about the history of the Jewish community. Um, the Saudi leaders uh, tell us have, have told me, you know, then they say things like Moses went through Saudi Arabia after Har Sinai, or in Egypt they um, they are, are rebuilding the synagogues. They are re- re- trying to resurrect the, the Jewish history. And that's true in, in some of the other countries, even in, in places like UAE, which traditionally everybody believes had no Jewish community. There were many Jewish businessmen who used to travel there in the Middle Ages uh, and even later. It was a, the waypoint station between Europe and the Far East. And there were a couple hundred Jews living on the island of Hormuz, where the Straits of Hormuz is. And, in fact, recently they just found the gravestone of a Jewish businessman who died crossing uh, the UAE. Uh, and uh, the people with him knew the Jewish law about having to bury him then and there. And they did. And on the grave it says his name and everything on the grave marker. So there, there are longer histories than people know uh, and relationships and that date back, I'm sorry, hundreds of years. I don't remember the original question, but <laughs> but it doesn't matter. My original, I mean, I, I, I supplemented the original question by asking you if in Egypt that would be the same thing. Oh, uh, yeah. So in Egypt, you know, in all of these countries, there's a, a sort of detoxification process that's necessary that you can't have educated people paid for all of the decades. And also Israel is still seen uh, as uh, negative the Palestinian issue, uh, reverberates with them, but there's much more concern and anger now about what's happening in the Gaza Strip and the fact that they are turning away from Egypt and towards Qatar and to uh, and to Turkey uh, and replacing both Egypt and Saudi Arabia and the the uh, violence that still emanates from there against the Egyptian targets, uh, the fighting in the in the Sinai against uh, ISIS, uh, Muslim Brother, and other terrorist entities. So the and and the hatred of of Iran continues. Right. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's a long process. It requires a real commitment on the part of the governments, and too often they will people will resort to appeals of this kind to divert people's attention and you know to show their bona fides. They will attack you know or be critical of the of Israel, but. Behind the scenes, things are moving ahead with every country. Yeah, understood. Um, all right, let, let's let's. I'll give you the whole list, I guess, and you could either you know take it one by one or just give us a general account because people are asking me about your opinion regarding the incoming administration. So he has uh, incoming Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. He's got um, Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas. He's got NSA National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. And at the UN, Linda Thomas Greenfield. Anything you could tell us about these, or uh, or anything general you could say about the way he's forming this cabinet, especially vis-a-vis Israel. So um, each of these people has their own unique history. You can't lump them together. Each one is different. Uh, there were uh, people who were of much greater concern who had been muted to, for these positions, um, and it's certainly not yet coming to the. Uh, uh, extremes in the Democratic Party or the demands being made of him. I think people would call this a mainstream government so far. Uh, uh, Ali Mayorkas is Jewish and a very committed Jew, a Juban, you know, a family from Cuba, right. and I know him well. We've worked with him. He's very strong on anti-Semitism, um, a good guy. We've worked with Tony Blinken over the years, although we've disagreed on, on things, and 
uh, I don't know if you've seen some of the speeches that are now things that have come out, um, uh, and also Jake Sullivan, who we've known for many years and was a co-chair of one of our Iran projects. Um, and although we didn't necessarily agree with him on a lot of those issues related to Iran, uh, these are all people who've had personal relationships with Israel, strong feelings on Israel. Um, Tom, uh, Thomas uh, Greenfield, the new ambassador to the UN, I actually met in Equatorial Guinea when I was invited by the Organization of, of African Unity to attend their uh, meeting in uh, Equatorial Guinea. And I was given a delegation of seven seats, and it turned out, and, and the Iranians went crazy when they saw us there. They, they and the Palestinians and then some Egyptians joined them, and they wouldn't start the meeting as long as we were there. And it became and it was delayed an hour and a half, and they finally we negotiated the deal out. But we left. We walked out after doing what we had to do there. Uh, but it was we made it clear that we were making a decision that we didn't want to be in the room with these guys if this is the attitude that they're manifesting. And they all apologized later, not the Iranians and Palestinians and others. But the head of the OAU. But while so we went outside and we had meetings the day before with 13 heads of government from African countries. And that day we had many more, and even afterwards, and many of them came out and sat with us. But there was a, a black woman who we saw was also excluded. But she was told that there wasn't enough seats, that the United States was only given one seat, and the American ambassador was there, and they didn't let her in. Wow. And she's she's the top State Department person on Africa. And so she came and saw us sitting with Yamakas there, and she came and sat with us for over an hour. And that was Thompson Greenfield, Thomas Greenfield. And uh, we had a really wonderful discussion. I mean, I don't think she has a track record uh, so much on Israel, but what she said that day was uh, supportive. And uh, uh, again, you know, we have to see what the what the policies that will be set on high. There are other people um, uh, on the lower levels who have been nominated, um, and Avril Haines, who had, who is the head, I think that's her name, uh, had the intelligence right. agency. Right. Uh, now they say that she is Jewish or partly Jewish too. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's quite remarkable when you look at it that Biden's kids are all married to Jews, and Vice President married to a Jew, and all of these people with Jewish connections. Um, it's an, it's an amazing statement about America, yep. but we don't know yet. And we have to look now at the domestic side, who will be appointed. And I think there you will see more of an appeal to the uh, to other segments of the Democratic Party. But I think the, pres- the president-elect or vice president, depending upon your view of things, right. um, uh, you know, is asserting his, his the con- control over it, over the uh, direction by appointing people who would be more centrist even though some of them have, uh, you know, they all have long records. Um, so it's, Mr. Mr. Lincoln, who, who is Jewish, uh, his stepfather was Sam Pissar, who was a famous Holocaust survivor, lawyer, and his father, Donald Lincoln. Uh, they, the family had been involved in Jewish affairs, and um, so it's it's a very, they're very interesting appointments, and I think different than what a lot of people expected. Has there been a Secretary of State who's Jewish since Kissinger? Oh, she was Jewish, right? Madeline Albright. Madeline, I was going to say Madeline Albright. She would be the only one, right, between Kissinger and him and Blinken. Um, so, so basically, as your the description sounds to me like you know they all have they're all they all they all sound like good people to you, right? They they're 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 decent people. Let's put it that way, because frankly, 
you you know the element that had a tremendous amount of influence on the, uh, from the left you know on this election we were really worried about the 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 the, the actual public background of some of these people that could Well some of them have uh, I mean the appointment for the deputy legislatively is on is a Palestinian American, which wouldn't disqualify her, but I mean, she has made has made some troubling statements, and uh, Abraham did, but she explained it and said it's not uh, a policy. And look, policy is set from on high. Everybody can impose their own imprimatur on a on a particular uh, department, or you know, have some influence in the direction they take. But it, the policies that we are talking about. These will be set from the White House, I think, largely, White House and State Department, because right. Blinken is very close to the vice president. And uh, But you more than I can think of a million examples where, where certainly the Secretary of State and others have really you know, shifted policy. Whether well, just look this week at Pompeo going, yeah. To, yeah. To go, going to the Golan it's a pronouncement about uh, you know, products. So, yes, they can do we, a lot. George Schultz did a lot. We, you know, and, ba- of, we, and we know what influence Baker had. Um, uh, Baker, yeah, that that is true. And Kissinger, right. you know, it was when he he, he um, in all of the positions. I mean, certainly had influence. Although, you know, as I said, ultimately the decision and the tone is set by the president right. and the uh, and the people in the White House. And that's why we're very concerned and looking at um, some of the names and some of the people that are are, are being muted. Uh, but so far, I have to say that it's not succumbing to the ex- extreme elements in the Democratic Party that people have predicted. Um, since you mentioned it, with your indulgence for a second, I just want to pull it up. Uh, this was the uh, exact quote of what uh, the Secretary of State wrote in the guest book. Yaakov Berg was with us earlier this week, the owner of the Psygoat Winery. It is a blessing to be here in Judea and Samaria. Unbelievable just to hear those words. May I not be the last Secretary of State to visit this beautiful land. thought that was a beautiful way of putting it. Um, uh, what did... Uh, oh, and by the way, speaking of, um, of uh, things coming from the White House, um, just so I can understand this correctly... If a different president would have been, you know, in the White House, they would have had the ability to extend Jonathan Pollard's um, uh, probation, or not probation, what's uh, 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 postponement of parole. Let's put it that way. In other words, is this a real a real Trump gift to Bibi that the media how the media is painting it, or no president could have prevented this from you know running out of time and and him being completely free. Well, there's a parole board that makes or commission that makes a decision, but usually their recommendations came from on high to them. Uh, and I think that the president um, he, uh, he he didn't have to issue a pardon; they just did not renew the restrictions. Right. So and, he and, is and, now and, free and, completely. And another president could have. Another president they could have extended it. They could have I mean, it, it renews uh, as uh, and unfortunately renewed for much too long. And God willing, he'll he'll be able to leave, and will leave soon. His wife yeah. is is getting uh, treatment for cancer, so I think that will delay their departure. But as far as I know, there's no other restriction now in place that would prevent them from going. Netanyahu spoke to him and invited them, and um, unfortunately, the Mr. Olmert's comments I think were really misplaced and inappropriate, saying you know he shouldn't come. Yeah, boy. Uh, but I know that when every prime minister that I know when they were in the White House made a pitch to in, be the one to including Olmert, including Olmert. I think so. I have to check again, but I remember 
being there um, as he right before he went, and he told me that that he was going to raise it. So I don't know what changed. I don't know what uh, yeah. you know what, the, what what is different today. But I think that you know Pollard has proven it. He's been quiet. They haven't been rallies and they led demonstrations during right. during this time, which people were saying and they're afraid in Israel he'll get a very warm welcome. And uh, not to, to uh, extol him because of what he did, which people acknowledge was wrong, but because, you know, he paid such a heavy price because yeah. of uh, that. If they're smart, they'll do it under the cover of darkness, frankly, unlike some other times that uh, that high-profile people have left. Um... I think he should be able to live his life normally. He doesn't have to do it in the dark. No, I'm talking, about just the, <laughs> I'm talking about just the arrival. But coming into the country. I'm talking mean, yeah. about just the arrival in Israel, although COVID, frankly, is probably going to temper the celebration anyway. Anyway, but whatever. That's true. Um, what do you think of the UN decision regarding the Supreme? The UN decision. What do you think of the Supreme Court decision regarding a gathering for prayer, services, and religious institutions? Well, I think you have to see it on two levels. One is that the uh, the lawsuit um, brought about the desired result, and uh, that it signed. It. But on the other level, to see that this is the new court. And the new justice uh, acquitted herself uh, on the right side of this issue. And the general assessment is that if uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was there, the 5-4 majority would have gone the other way. Uh, And, um, you know, it's only one step in this battle, but it is an important one. And as the governor said, you know, the areas now are not under restriction that the House of Worship... But I think it's a principle that is established, and not just for New York, but for around the country... Uh, so it's um, it's significant, certainly, as a statement. Finally, uh, there are people who are pointing out to me, I haven't seen this yet, there are people who are pointing out to me that there are um, uh, some outrageous accounts in President Obama's new book about the establishment of the state of Israel. Are you familiar with this at all? You haven't looked at it yet. Uh, there are interesting articles that have appeared about it. I did not buy the book. Uh, I lived it. I don't know if I have to read it. But I, <laughs> but I, I will uh, eventually um, do so. I, I will need to see. Uh, I'm not going to read 980 pages of of, um, of uh, his book. But I, there are things in there that people have written and analyzing that are very critical of Israel and distorting uh, the relationship. So we have to to see, but it's, it is a bestseller, and it you know it will have some influence. I, I don't think it we should exaggerate the impact that uh, these books have uh, generally, and certainly Vice President Biden lived through it also. So he's not going to he's not going to learn anything new from the book, or I doubt that it will influence him in, in one way or another. Look, events on the ground are, are are going to be the more important things for all of us about what happens and we're seeing the aggressiveness look along the Golan the placement of the IEDs the fact that the uh, Iranian militias Hezbollah and others are are becoming more aggressive Israel responding to it um, um, more intensely at times but uh, when they placed it near the Kalkilia Kalandia crossing in North Jerusalem and we see bombs from the Palestinians and others they're all going to take advantage of this uh, period uh, the tunnel that was discovered in Gaza turns out to be the deepest one yet. And, uh, you know, so they, they try to cross in the north and in the south, overland, but drones and, and rockets and underground with these tunnels and uh, and on the ground with the IEDs and explosives that they place on the border. So the situation, you know, people don't tend to read these things, and, and we're so distracted with election and COVID 
to to look at the uh, reality on the ground that there are really serious uh, challenges. The the uh, aggressiveness of Iran and Turkey, that both internally and externally, you know, the fact that they're flogging Christians in in Iran, and it gets no concern, no reaction. It's just astonishing to me still that you don't have a uprising of concern and outrage about what is what's going on and how minorities in many of these countries uh, are being treated uh, by them, uh, and yet. Uh, Israel comes under constant criticism, much of it Ill- illegitimate or even without any basis. So we have a, a job to do, and people have to remain alert. Don't get caught up in the politics, get caught up in the reality and to, to fight uh, for against it, and certainly on the anti-Semitism front where it's critical. You know, this is the 75th anniversary of the Nuremberg trials mm. this past week, wow. and, and I would venture to say that most of your audience today would not know much about the Nuremberg trials, if anything. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really sad because I tested it on young people. This was on November 20th, 1945. And, you know, it was a whole new era in international law. They, they couldn't be charged with war crimes because that didn't exist, that charge. It only came about because of the, of the trials and about the things that were said there and that people and young people should read. You know, Nuremberg was the st- city where uh, Hitler promulgated the um, the race laws in 1935 that paved the way for the Holocaust. Right. But it was also for pragmatic reasons that it was held there because the uh, they needed a big building. And we should remember Chief Prosecutor Robert Jackson and the others who, you know, the, the trial lasted 218 days. Wow. You know, and uh, these guys were were real heroes. Morris Abram, who was later chairman of the conference presidents, was uh, an assistant to to the great uh, um, uh, Jackson, and he um, and people should read about it. Young people should be told about it. Hundred percent right. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Wishing you a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. God willing to have good Shabbos. Thanks so much. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this Parshas Vayetze. I want to take this opportunity for a couple of Mazel Tov wishes. Uh, first of all, I want to wish a Mazel Tov to um, Emily and Moshe Arf. Emily and Moshe Arf had a brand new baby boy, their Bechor, this week. Special Mazel Tov to both families, but I am going to give an extra special Mazel Tov to uh, Barbara, the grandma. Um, and we miss her husband, Lou, so much. And uh, Emily and Moshe, Mazel Tov to you from all of us here at JM and the AM and the brand new baby boy. Also a Mazel Tov to the Haglers and the Schreiers. Want to wish a Mazel Tov to Ezra Hagler and Shoshana Schreier. And of course to uh, Rabbi and Mrs. Chavi and Chaim Hagler. And Rabbi and Mrs. Uh, Yaffa and Dove Schreier. Ezra and Shoshana are a recently engaged couple. And we say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. As we get closer and closer to Hanukkah, let me remind you that there's a website. It's called shopeichlers.com. Shopeichlers.com. Same day delivery to most neighborhoods in the New York, New Jersey area. Details if you go to the website. It's a really nice website, well organized with everything you could ever imagine for Hanukkah at any time of year. Go to shopeichlers.com. Shopeichlers.com. Take advantage today and uh, enjoy. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website, 
kosherdogs.net. Use promo code radio and try A&H today. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayetze with candlelighting time at 4.10. 4.10 is your candlelighting time on this Erev Shabbos. This is I meet you every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With a great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden. Spiritual leader of congregation, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayetze. Parshas Vayetze is a very jam-packed parsha, whereby Yaakov Avinu leaves his home and come on 20 years later when the parsha is over he has Baruch Hashem fathered 11 sons one daughter and we have the establishment of the Jewish family and the prelude to the Jewish nation I'd like to first of all begin by pointing out that there are 148 psukim in Parshas Vayetze. I have to tell you, it is stuma, as you will read Kriyasa Torah tomorrow. Follow along and see that there's not a single break in the 148 psukim. It's one long paragraph. If you were to hand this in, to your professor, he would say, the content is excellent. But somehow he would take off and say, my goodness, punctuation, where are the paragraphs? And there are so many different breaks in the action going from Yaakov and his majestic dream of the ladder and the angels ascending and descending and getting to love one's house and love Yaakov being tricked and the children. It, there are so many different opportunities for the Torah to have had psuchos, stumos, which means many paragraphs, yet it is sosum. I'm just going to suggest one explanation that I saw years ago by the Gera Rebbe, and that is that at this time, when Parshas Vayese begins, there are only three Jews in the entire world. There's Yitzchak, there's Rivka, and there's Yaakov. When one-third of the world Jewish population has to leave the land of Israel, the Torah itself reflects itself by being sosum, constricted, saddened. And interestingly, that's one of the reasons why we fast on Som Gedalia. Gedalia was the Jewish governor that was placed over the land of Israel after the destruction of the first temple by the Babylonians. And when Gedalia was assassinated, the many, many thousands of Jews were exiled and when Jews are exiled from their land, we fast. Now, I'd like to point out that among the many themes that you have in Parshas Vayetze is the incredible work ethic 
of Yaakov Avinu. Now, I've mentioned many times, and I'll introduce this idea with the thesis of Rav Shimshon Lefal Hirsch, Sechrono Levracha, who points out that the Torah very often teaches in the extreme. There is no verse in the Torah that says if a person should die, they are to be buried. No, it doesn't say that. It says if a criminal is hung, you are not to leave his body on the tree overnight, but rather, bury that individual on that very day. If we have to bury a criminal, all the more so a upright and good-standing citizen. Here, too, the Torah teaches of the incredible work ethic of Yaakov Avinu. We find at the end of the parasha, when Yaakov becomes successful, and what happens? Lavan is now most resentful of Yaakov, and Yaakov has a dream from Hashem, and the Malach says to him, Yaakov, enough dreaming about sheep. It's time for you to go back home to Eretz Canaan slash Eretz Yisrael. So Yaakov calls Rachel and Leah to the field, and he has a powwow with them, and he tells them about God's communication to him in the dream. But prior to that, he unloads to his wives and tells them how challenging, or a better word, how miserable it has been for him to work for their father, Lavan. And as he says himself to Lavan at the end of the parsha, Lavan changed the conditions of employment no less than 100 times. He is Lavan the Arami. And still, what do we find by Yaakov? Yaakov says, <clears throat> to his two wives, I worked for your father with all my strength. Amazing. He doesn't say, well, because Laban took complete and total advantage of him, I will do likewise. I'll come late. I'll leave early. Just the opposite. The Torah tells us that later on in the parsha, when Laban catches up, with Yaakov, and what does he say? He says very clearly, listen to these powerful words of um, Yaakov to his father-in-law. Twenty years I've been with you. Your ewes, male goats, she-goats, never miscarried, nor did I eat rams of your flock. That which was mangled, I never brought you. I myself would bear the loss. From me you would exact it, whether it was stolen by day, stolen by night. This is how it, I was. By day, scorching heat consumed me, and frost by night. My sleep drifted from my eyes. This is the way Yaakov worked on behalf of 
Lavan. And I'm going to read to you now the Rambam at the end of Hilchos Sechirus. It is a most powerful Rambam, and the Rambam reads as follows. This is Hilchos Sechirus, chapter 13, ver- ch- uh, paragraph 7. Kederech, just as Shemuzar Balabayis, the employer, is warned by the Torah, not to, God forbid, steal of the wages of the worker, nor to withhold them. Kach, so too, he'oni, the worker, Muzar, is warned, he's not to steal from the work due to the employer. Have a coffee break, every half hour or every hour, and basically um, too much of the day is going to be spent cheating from the boss with a small b, but rather, he is to be very careful with himself regarding the time, the time that he owes to the Balabayas to the employer. Now listen to this. Shaharei hikpidu al brocha revius shel birkas hamazo shelo yivorech osa. You know what it means to be proud to be a Jew. Listen to this Rambam. The Gemara in Brachos tells us that birkas hamazo, that we're all familiar with, the benching, consists of four blessings. The first three are biblical. And the fourth one is rabbinic. The Gemara tells us that from the letter of the law, and there was a time when the workers who are entitled to eat lunch, and they're entitled to bench, but to use that Yiddish expression, af yenim's plates, which means it's easy to take, take advantage of the next one, so listen carefully. What's happening over here? The Talmud says that, and we're talking about a worker who's not being paid piecemeal. Then you can take as long as you want. You don't produce, you don't get paid. But we're talking about a worker that's being paid from the hours, and therefore his time belongs to the employer. Listen carefully. The Talmud says that the worker should only say the first three blessings of the Birkas HaMazom. And the fourth blessing, which is Bonei Yerushalayim, I'm sorry, the fourth blessing, which is Atova Mitiv, that bracha he should not say. Now, amazing. Listen carefully. Sfardim have a practice that when they say a series of brachos, they say amen after their own bracha. Ashkenazim do not. There's only one exception to that rule. So tonight, when we have to bench, and you come to this part of the benching, pause for one moment. The end of the third bracha, Uvenei Yerushalayim, Baruchatu Hashem, Bonei Barachamov Yerushalayim, what's the next word? Everybody knows, Amen. Why are we saying Amen? So number one, this is the demarcation. We have now left the three biblical. We're now about to recite the rabbinic blessing that they composed regarding... (coughs) 
the uh, dead of Betar. Listen carefully now. We therefore say Amen to show it's the end of the series of biblical blessings. The Talmud says, do you know why they said Amen? Bonei Barach Amen. Go back to work. That's what it means. It was a call to the workers. Go back to work. You finished. You can't even... How long does it take? Halavai, it took two, three minutes. Halavai. Halavai, our entire Birkas Amazon should take three minutes. Listen carefully now. But still, why? And the Rambam quotes it again. Says the Rambam, We are obligated to serve our employer with all our strength and ability. Note how the Rambam calls Yaakov. And in what context? Yaakov at Sadiq, Yaakov the righteous one. He doesn't call him a chassid. Oh, Yaakov went. No, don't get me wrong. Anybody listening might say to themselves, well, me, I'm a tzaddik. Yes, each and every one of us has that capacity, and forgive me, obligation to be the tzaddik. As indeed Yaakov was. And Lefichach, listen to this. Notal schar zos. Yaakov was repaid for his incredible, meticulous work ethic. Af polam Not just a very handsome, appropriate reward in the world to come, but even in this world, as it says. Earlier in this week's parsha, Ma'od Ma'od, Yaakov became exceedingly wealthy. Chapter thirty, pasuk forty-three. Again, the Rambam attributes this for his incredible work ethic. So, just as we find in the realm of tzedakah, and the Orach Hashulchan brings this in Hilchos Tzedaka, Simon Reish Mem Zayin, and paragraph Vav, and he says very simply that it's been tested, and the Gemara in Tanis Taftes Amad Aleph teaches to quote the Pasuk from Malachai, Uvachanuni no Bezos. When it comes to the mitzvah of Tzedakah, you can say to Hashem, take note, I am giving charity, please, I could use a little bit of a raise in my allowance from you as well. You can't do that when you put, took off your tefillin this morning. Hashem, were you listening? Were you watching? Did you see me put? No. And tomorrow night when you make Abdullah, you don't say, Hashem, uh, did you notice that? No. But in the area of Tzedakah, you can. And in the area of Tzedakah, Aseir, Te'aseir, Aseir, says the Gemara, Shetisasher. Here too, says the Rambam, you're honest in business. So, Let's conclude with the delicious Gemara in Yuma, Pevav, 86a, on the familiar, the Yohavta Ace Hashem Elokecha. You are to love God, the first paragraph of the Shema. So what does that mean, to love God? So the Gemara says very powerfully that what does it include? Number one, that not only should you love God, but others should come to love God through you. How so? Sheyehei maso'o umastono be'emuna. That your work 
ethic should be. You should be honest in your business dealings. And if so, what do people say? Whoa, look what a beautiful person that is. Nothing less than a Kiddush Hashem. And so, be aware, the Gemara in Shabbos 31a tells us that there are six questions waiting for us upstairs after 120 years. And the first question they're going to ask, amazing. Do you know what it is to have the questions in advance? The very first question, were you honest in your business dealings? Wow, this is such an incredible concept. Who wouldn't be thankful, right? Ask any student. Well, if you have the questions of the exam in advance, and that's exactly what the Torah is teaching us. The first question they're going to ask is, were you honest? And Baruch Hashem, that's why we have the privilege reading each year of the exactitude of Yaakov Avinu, that even though he was taken advantage thereof, and he had all the reasons and all the excuses to reciprocate with dishonesty, still, he's Yaakov Hatzadik, and that, please God, should be our hero and the one for us to emulate as well. Shabbat Shalom to all. Thank you so much, Rabbi Yudin. And I just wanted to mention there were two people that passed away this week that um, I wanted to mention on the air, and we'll dedicate her by Yudin's words in their memory. Uh, one was Abe Sodden, who is uh, one of the great Yeshiva University basketball players that I had the opportunity to meet on a variety of occasions. And as Coach Halpert has been reminding uh, everybody, was uh, just a wonderful person. And um, Abe is, of course, uh, ranked on uh, Yeshiva University's basketball scoring list. And was one of those people, you know, we talk about representing the Jewish people properly um, on and off the court, was one of those people that, in fact, did that. So we remember him today, Abe Sodden, who uh, most of us uh, who were familiar with him knew from uh, his history with Yeshiva University. And I also wanted to mention that Cantor Daniel, Daniel Gildar passed away. I know the funeral's taking place this morning. Devastating news, frankly. Uh, I don't know what the circumstances were. Um, he was the backbone of essentially every cantorial presentation, concert and recording, or close to every, for God knows how long. And uh, I had the opportunity, because I would MC certain events and he'd be accompanying the great cantors, I had an opportunity to, um, to, um, to know him. And the devastating news, I, didn't, I don't know, what the, again, what the circumstances were. Maybe some people expected this. But um, very sad to hear about it. It's a cantor, Daniel Gildar, we remember this morning as well. His funeral takes place, I believe, today in Pennsylvania. And we remember him here at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayetze, candle lighting at 410 on this Erev Shabbos. Rabbi Moshe Schwed is with us live via telephone. He is the um, uh, director of the Orthodox Union Dafyomi uh, Initiative. And we were told that once this transition was made from uh, Erevin to Psachim in the study of Dafyomi, there was also a transition to some massive numbers in terms of those who are uh, registered and downloading Shiurim uh, from their site, alldaf.org, alldaf.org. Rabbi Moshe Shwed, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. 
Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to speak to you. Lots been said. You know, not every Masechta, not every Masechta transition gets as much attention as this one. Uh, Erevin Tepsachim, for some reason, was a, I don't know, it seems everybody was talking about it. Some people even told me they were going to pick up Dafyomi starting with Psachim this week. And a lot's been made of the fact that Psachim ends right before Pesach, a golden opportunity to make a seum around the time of um, Tanis Bechorim. So have you also gotten that uh, feeling that this week there was a little bit extra being said about Dafyomi? Absolutely. Well, many of your listeners may know that Tractate Erevin is a tough one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and many people and many people certainly had a hard time, especially when it came down towards the end and all the Yom Tovim were around and the second wave of COVID seemed to have been picking back up. But many people found it hard to participate. But once Sachin came around and people realized we actually did a whole campaign of Sachin for Pesach right. initiative where we, <laughs> where we encourage people to sign up, you know, we offered some prize incentives, but people should get together, understand that this is a special opportunity to learn an easier Masechta and finish it literally the week of Erev Pesach. You yeah. can literally come into Pesach having a familiarity with many of the sugyos and the halachos that are related to Pesach right as you enter Pesach. So that was something that was an opportunity for us to present, and we got over 2,000 people who just committed to learn together to finish the Masechta. And actually the first day of Sacha, which started on Monday, there were over 8,000 new users who came to our app and website to check out all the various materials that we have on the website. Unbelievable. And you've, you've described this for us. Tell us why all DAF is different and why, therefore, it's so successful. The answer is that there's many shiurim that are found all over the Internet and frankly, there are many Magidish who say Shirim in their shul. Right. So we have all types of users. We have the primary people who use all that as their primary resource. And the reason why they find it much easier is because we curate Shirim from all over the web. We found Magidish Shir who had a Shir here, who had a Shir there, but they had successful followings. But someone who didn't know that they existed couldn't, couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. So we took their Shirim their quality content, just as an example. There are many shiurim out there <clears throat> that focus on different lengths and different speeds and different styles. We have a quick dot from Reza Chaya Resnick, very popular shir. He does the dot in around 18 to 20 minutes, so clear, so concise. And there are many of those, but some of them are hard to follow. This one is energetic, clear, concise. You can literally get the dot in that amount of time. Many people use it as a review or a prep. We have shiurim that have graphics, DAF intros, introduction to every DAF, a short introduction to the DAF. Before you start the DAF, you may want to know what's coming up on the DAF. Mm-hmm. A review of the DAF with graphic <laughs> material. So bringing the material to one place, you open up the app, and you have that day's DAF with all the material there. has certainly made it easier for all types of people, which we can get to and discuss the people that use this app. Uh, it, it's amazing. I didn't think this much can sprout forth from one page of Talmud. <laughs> but sure enough, you've taken what would what's today? The sixth page, right? The sixth page of Psachim today? Six Psachim Davav. Yeah. So you've taken one yep. daf and you've uh, and you've essentially, you know, um you you've essentially allowed to sprout forth from it all these different angles, different things that people might want to know or different things they might want to pursue. It could be a shortened version, it could be a review, it could be a, an aspect of Jewish history related to the daf, it could be an aspect of halacha. That's related to that, and it's all or there. one moment video of inspiration, which just started from Mo Mernick, who many people may know, 
Um, and that's all, and that's also obvi- and that's obviously related to yes. the DAF, right? Absolutely yeah. related to the DAF. But many of the things you don't have to be actually connected to the daily DAF. Someone who doesn't learn the DAF. There are right. many aspects that we have that are just standalone pieces, as you mentioned, the Jewish history or right. a moment of inspiration. Right. If you can be connected to that worldwide movement, even without necessarily having the time or the commitment or the pace of doing the Daf Yomi. Now, if someone, uh, and as you said, thousands joined in starting this past Monday, not too late, right, Rabbi Shwed? Someone decides today to join Daf Yomi, not a problem. You'll be able to, they'll be able to actually participate, but in, if they want to catch up using all Daf, they could do that as well. Absolutely, and in fact, the initiative that we were running, we said, you still join for another few days, and you can finish the Masechta. I mean, you can always finish the Masechta. Right. There's always time to learn. Right. But even to be part of our program, be part of the raffles and prizes, we said, you know what? Give the person a chance to finish till after Pesach. So we're shoulders here, you can finish the Masechta. Yeah. You know, the most important thing I always find is stay with the DAF. If you miss a day, miss two days, mark it down, you'll right. come back to it. But if right. you stay with the crowd, you have a much better chance of continuing on. And information about the raffle and how you can participate is right there. Go to alldaf.org, A-L-L-D-A-F.org, and you can see how backslash, you could... Backslash Pesachim, P-A-S-A-C-H-I-M, and you'll have a right. information right there. Right, but all I'm saying is on the, act, on the actual front, on the actual um, main page of the... Uh, of the um, yes, it's there also. Of the site, Absolutely. it's right there. And uh, go ahead, you want to mention uh, the daily, uh, we have a minute left, you want to mention the daily uh, Daf Yomi uh, teachers, those uh, rabbis who are, uh, in fact, featured on the old Daf site? We have many rabbis, we have many rabbis, Rabbi Leibowitz, Rabbi Rodman, Rabbi Elephant, Rabbi Schwartzberg, Rabbi Bornstein. I would like to take a minute and talk about, you know, we talk about numbers, 40,000 people, 80,000 people, right. all the numbers, but right. we know Kalyusrol is made up of many special individuals. I'd like to mention a couple of emails that we get, messages that we get of what types of people use this app. We have a nurse who sends us pictures and videos of him learning between 2 and 3 a.m. on the night shift, taking his break, using all that. Wow. We have the judge on the bench in court who just called me last week and says, I'm in court in between cases. Before they bring in the next case, I sit and listen to the Dafyom this year in my Shmona Begadim, in my judge clothing. Right. We have, I got videos of a mashkiach in Alaska. He's the only Jew within a thousand miles. He's there watching you know, kosher fish to make sure the fish they bring in is the right type of fish that we could eat. He's using all that. I have a person who told me he hadn't opened the Gemara in over 20 years, and he got encouraged to join the Dafyom site. He's using all that. So it's just a breath of Jews, literally from all spectrums of, of orthodoxy, from, from the left to Williamsburg, literally, we get messages of people using all that. So it's an incredible merit and trust that we have to be able to bring this to the Jews, and we hope to have the Siat to always continue on. Check out the DAF with all these amazing teachers. There's Lumdus, DAF Intro, Jewish History, DAF Review, DAF Insights, Halacha Outlines, Tosfo Summary, and much, much more. All of it at alldaf.org. I'm Moshe Shwed, uh, the uh, Director of Torah Initiatives at the OU. Thank you so much for joining us, and Mazel Tov on all these accomplishments with All DAF. Thank you, Nachum. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thanks again for having me. A pleasure. Hi, Moshe Schwed, everybody. Pretty amazing. Friday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up. We keep it right here at JM in the AM. Love on.
J.M. and the A.M. in Lavangarti is right. Betayag Mitzvah Shamarti. It's Leif Tahar from Leif Tahar, volume number four. Candlelighting in New York at 410 on the Sarah of Shabbos Barshas Vayetze. And I thank all of you for tuning in. Journeys, time to say good Shabbos. J.M. and the A.M.
special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well into the night. So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do. My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSegal.com, and the Segal Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week here at JM&M and the Malcolm Single Network. Thanks to Avrami for sitting in yesterday on Thanksgiving. Much appreciated. Mazel tov, Miriam and Lenny Holstock and company, and family rather. Miriam and Lenny Holstock and family on the birth of their great-granddaughter, Tehila Ora Stark. Wow. Parents are Tamar and Daniel, big brother Yonatan, grandparents, great-grandparents. Everyone is uh, celebrating in the Niren Stark and Goldstein families. And we say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Monday morning, I am back. Make sure to be tuned into all of our great weekend programming. And uh, coming up next week, all the details about the upcoming journey to Dubai to broadcast on the 8th, 9th, and 10th of December. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.